Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. You could head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use promo code Believe fifty. That's B L E A V five zero to receive fifty percent to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit, and that'll be great for this upcoming Rutgers game if you're out of state. Uh, and that's Bet Online where the game starts. Welcome back to another edition of the Night Report podcast. I'm Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host Richie Schneiderite. Richie. Big weekend last weekend. We've had a lot of content, a lot of podcasts recapping the Boston College game. We haven't heard from you. You were actually at the game. Um, so let's start there. Had uh, What was the experience like in Chestnut Hill? Tell us what it was like because uh, I'd heard there's not really a, a big tailgating scene at Boston College. What was the game like in general, the full 360 experience? Yeah, so I mean, I, I got there pretty, pretty early. Um, I had some family up there that were going to the game, so I got to experience the tailgate a little bit. But uh, <clears throat> it wasn't crazy big, but it, it was bigger than I thought in terms of tailgating. And then uh, it's not as big as Rutgers, but it's not as small as, say, I don't even know who to compare it to. But uh, it, it wasn't a huge tailgating scene. It was decent, I thought, at best. Um, but going into the game, I, I was impressed. The student section showed up. Like, they had a ton of students in that lower bowl level. Um, now, in terms of the rest of the fan base, uh, season ticket holders, if, if there was any, there, there, there wasn't many. Um, it was kind of dead in terms of, uh, BC fans in general, but, uh, like I said, credit to the students. Um, they, they showed up, they actually showed up on time too, which was impressive. And then, um, yeah, I mean, overall, it's not a bad experience. The, the stadium's ancient. Uh, they definitely need to do some renovations there in terms of concessions and, and the press box was just brutal. And I, I've been to Penn state and that might be like the worst press box I've ever been to. Cause it's just so old and they don't update it as much. And I think this one might be worse. The TVs they had in there for us to like watch the instant replays were every bit of like a 16-inch screen that was all the way up in the top corner and this like little thing. And it's like, what what, what am I looking at? Like, um, <laughs> then then you have the nerve to serve a bunch of Italian people from Jersey vegetable lasagna. Are you kidding me? Jeez, I that was brutal. The only good thing was I got some pretty good clam chowder, so I can't complain there. I had to do it. They had clam uh, chowder in the press box. Yeah. So that was that was kind of cool, but the okay. vegetable lasagna. Come on, like what what are we doing? <laughs> it's that, the food there. Like it never made me appreciate SHI Stadium and and those guys anymore. Like that was just it's night and day. Ironically. So, kind of a tangent question, but what's the the, the best experience you've had um, in the press box in terms of uh, the the amenities, the the food? Because I know this yeah. guy Jimmy Kemsky who likes to rate every NFL stadium's servings, and uh, he said Dallas, the Gal- Dallas Cowboys do the best job of that. Really, I've, I've yeah. never gotten that far before yet. Yet, let's see if uh, it ever happens. But uh, I don't know. Um, 
I, I like Yankees because it was kind of cool just because uh, it's, I'm a Yankee fan, so obviously it's like a different level of nostalgia for me. But um, Maryland serves some pretty good food. Um, yeah, I, honestly, like I hate to say it, the Rutgers press box is pretty good. You get some pretty good food. You don't need to hate to say it. It's, it's, it well, it sounds like a homer take. Yeah, just yeah. like, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know. I didn't expect the, the home team to be the best food, and it, it ends up being the best food. I mean, food-wise, you get a nice little uh, variety of stuff, and then uh, at, at halftime, you always get a hot dog, and they always have, like, cheese, sauerkraut, et cetera. So it's like you're kind of at the game, too. So you get that little that little nice touch there. But, um, yeah, Maryland was, wasn't bad. Penn State's okay. Food-wise, I like Penn State for uh, the fact that they give you a little ice cream cone from the creamery, so that, or ice cream, like, uh, cup. So that was always kind of cool. I like how they're all pretty different. They're all, they all do their own thing, and it's all uh, kind of based on the location and stuff, and it's, it's neat. It's a neat little idea. Nice. So what did you think about the team's performance overall on Saturday versus Boston College? Um, first half, I, I was losing confidence. I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, yeah. well, here we go. Like, this isn't it. And then uh, they, they turned it around quite a bit. They uh, Honestly, this Big Ten offensive line is the first time I think I've seen them with a Big Ten offensive line since they, since they joined the conference. Um, yep. they, they mauled them. They wore them down. Um, they're, they're just a bunch of big dudes. Willie Tyler at first was really concerning. Uh, he obviously got switched out for Kamar Missouri, who was even more concerning. But then Willie Tyler picked it back up in the second half, and he looked like a totally different person. Um, J.D. Dorenzo is, like I think I said in our preseason notes and notebooks and all that, I think he's still your best lineman. Um, you're able to pull him quite a bit. Uh, he's, he's super athletic for his size. Ireland Brown really impressed me a ton. Yeah, and same. I, I know that one sketchy snap they had that I, I think Simon fumbled, but I think he picked back up if I recall correctly. But it was, uh, yep. other than that, I thought Ireland Brown actually dominated the, the middle. Like, I think he did a really good job. Um, O-line, O-line was great, I thought. Um, running backs, Manon guy was doing pretty solid. I don't think he was doing anything crazy, but I think he was doing solid. Um, Salam came in and broke, up, broke open that one big yard, big, uh, what, 23, 22-yard run. Um, I mean, the, the quarterbacks are still kind of concerning because you, you didn't have a guy throw for – anywhere near 100 yards, which is, yep. uh, yeah, it's not the best in the world. We saw Wimsat for the first time, sort of, as like a starter, kind of co-starter thing. Um, I mean, I think you guys have kind of known this already. He's, he's very inaccurate. Now, there's times where he looks like he's super accurate. There's times where he looks like he's super inaccurate. He overthrew Sean Ryan on that one. Uh, I forget who else he overthrew. Mononga, I think it was. Um... um. Because I think Mananga came yes. out of the backfield and then ran out like a, almost like a streak type route, and then uh, he just on the final the drive there was that rollout on first and ten where there was a yeah. wide. I think it was Crookshank was wide open on the right yeah. hand side of the field. Yeah, the interception was just a, an ugly one too. It's just like where are you throwing that ball? Um, now, mind you, he's the better runner of the two, and that ended up paying off in the end. And that's that's why Salam was so open on that yeah. one run. They keyed it. The two linebackers keyed in on Wimsat and. There you go. Salam breaks out one, and that's it. Um, overall, it's uh, the defense is pretty good, I think. Had its struggles. Um, Max yep. Milton had struggles, of course. Uh, Izian, I know he. everyone likes to think he had a great game. I think in the first two quarters, I think he was struggling quite a bit. They were targeting him uh, a lot, and it, it looked like he was struggling. But he, again, they bounced back. And uh, they're just a lot of these guys are bouncing back from adversity. <laughs> And uh, they they showed that they're not afraid to, uh, or they're just going to keep playing and just keep chop- keep chopping. Ironically, <laughs> um, 
yeah, overall, uh, I think it was it was a Rutgers type of game, and this was the only way you were going to win it when doing something like a 96-yard drive with uh, set eight minutes left, nine minutes left. They they wore down the clock, too. That was, was an impressive game uh, play calling by uh, whether it be Chiano or Gleason. We, we'll never know, but, um, yeah, I mean, overall, it's it's a solid game. It's a great start, and now, now people are putting them in bowl projections. Yeah, which I think is a – I'm, I'm 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 in between like getting ahead of myself and trying to rein it back. Like during the Twitter space, I was definitely getting ahead of myself. Now I'm trying to rein it back. I think five wins is very very attainable at this point. And I think there's as as our opponents have played more games, or I think our opponents are a little worse collectively than we would have thought before week one. Uh, so I do think games like Iowa, Nebraska. And I don't want to mention any more after that, but I think Iowa and Nebraska are winnable at this point. Yeah. I think they're kind of coin tosses. Um, I do think some of the high-level stuff that I kind of saw out of this game is that, you know, we had seven uh, penalties in the first half. We only had three in the second. Um, all of the the defense really toughened up and the, the offensive line got better as the game went on. So I think that can be really narrowed down to two things. One's coaching. Like, we made some good adjustments. Um, yeah. Boston College didn't. And also, you got to give shout out to Jay Butler and his staff because the conditioning for this team is top notch. Like, these guys did not wither, even though it was hot, uh, even though, you know, it was a tough game that we were playing from behind most of the game. So, there's just a lot of toughness on this team, a lot of great conditioning. And we had, especially on, defense, on the defensive line, we had a, a pretty solid rotation. A lot of guys contributed, a lot of guys gave some good minutes, even if they didn't put great stats up there. I got like even Rene Conga. He didn't really have any stats from this game, but he was putting a lot of pressure on Phil Djurkovic. There was at least two passing plays that he really was the, the reason why they were incomplete, or I think he might have been the guy pressuring Djurkovic on one of the interceptions as well. So just a lot of positives to come from this game, from the, the stuff the coaching staff loves to see in terms of the greediness, you know, the chop mentality. I thought that was all on full display this weekend. And is a great example of something to build on this year. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of covered this game, uh, beating this horse to, to death a few times over. Let's talk, um, let's talk Wagner. So Wagner obviously is not a high level opponent. Uh, they are an F FCS team that's lost 21 straight games. Yeah. What would you want to see out of this weekend that would kind of, obviously we want to see a blowout. Because if we don't blow them out, that's not a good sign. But what do you want to see in terms of uh, who, who plays? Like, obviously, we don't want to see any injuries. But what would you deem this game as a, like, success to see out of Saturday? So I've, I've went over this a couple times talking to Chris. And I, I think, honestly, you just you take the lead early, maybe like a 14 to 21-point lead in that first quarter, and you just let the backups ride. Um, obviously, you, you probably want your starters to play a quarter and a half, two quarters at least. Uh, the biggest thing I want to see, I, I hate the quarterback roulette. I think it just doesn't let, allow a guy to get into a rhythm. Um, so I, I would like to see one of these guys step up, um, whether it be Simon or Wimsat. Obviously, they both have different characteristics and different traits to their game. That are uh, like Obviously, Wimsat's a better runner. Um, I don't think I've seen a Rutgers quarterback run for, like, what was it, a 30, 40-yard gain, like, ever in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if maybe Jabu busted one back I in, like, 2005. But, yeah. But yeah, I mean that that's such a different like trait that you don't have. That Rutgers hasn't seen at quarterback in so long. 
Um, so it's huge. And then, like, going back to the Swamp touchdown, like, just having a running threat is, like, it's huge in terms of the run game as well. Yep. Um, <clears throat> or Simon, who might be the better passer and the safer passer, which is what kind of Shiano's tends to lead, lean towards in terms of, like, look at Vedral the past two seasons. The reason he's the starter is because he's so conservative and being smart with the ball and making the smart passes. Now, I mean, I think one of them has to step up. Uh, I just, I don't, I can't imagine you playing quarterback roulette all season long, but, and he's done it in the past, Fiano. He's done it with Dodd and Nova. He's done it with Savage and Dodd. And it's like, does it work? Eh, maybe. I mean, it worked the game one. I just don't know if, uh, if it's going to work throughout the Big Ten schedule. Because you put Wimsett in, it's almost like, yeah, we know he's going to run or be a threat to run at least. It's uh, That's probably my main thing. And then you, you got to establish uh, probably a top-wide receiver, I would think. I know, um, obviously, losing Taj Harris isn't helpful. Is Krupschenk that guy to be number one? Can Sean Ryan step up and be that number one? Uh, even, a, even a young bud. Could young bud step up and be that number one? But even uh, I, I don't know. Shameen Jones played a ton of snaps even though he didn't start. So, I mean... Someone's got to step up there. Uh, the linebacker core, I'd probably, like I said, bubble wrap them. Don't, don't like, yep. <laughs> don't even, I don't know why. D- Dario Dijabome, or I don't know how to say it. I'm butchering yep. his name. And Deion Jennings. We're both on special teams. And then Deion Jennings got hurt for a second. I'm like, oh, my God. What What do you take them off of special teams? You don't You don't have anyone as is. So. Yeah, I know Shiano is a big proponent of playing <laughs> starters on special teams. That's like a. That's like a big, uh, like Bill Belichick thing. I know he's very close with him, and I think it's just and same with Urban Meyer. So I don't yeah. know if that's going to change because that seems to be pretty ingrained in Chiano. But it it would be devastating to lose a Jennings or a Tyreen Powell sure. or you know a Nizian because of a play on special teams because those are like statistically, and that's why they're trying to get like, kickoffs basically out of the game effectively with you know the twenty five yard touchback. 25 yard line touchback because those are the plays that people get hurt on you're running full yeah. speed and you're just hitting people in open field um so yeah that would suck but i don't see that changing um no but i think it would like you were kind of alluding to be great if just somebody separated over the next two weeks at the quarterback position um i do think that if if noah's out for longer than we're expecting. I do think based on everything, I've rewatched the game a couple times. I've looked into like the PFF grades. Simon had a better game than Gavin. Like Gavin obviously has the traits that you would look for in like a modern QB from the mobility and arm strength standpoint, but he missed way too many open throws and, and Simon missed a couple too, but I think Simon is probably more game ready at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, but thankfully, we do have a couple weeks to figure that out. And Sean Ryan, you pointed out, he he was getting a ton of separation in that game for uh, going against like some pretty high level defensive backs. Like he had that one seventy yard, seventy or seventy five yard uh, should have been touchdown, but he was overthrown. He had that oh, touchdown man. in the back of the end zone that was just thrown a little off. So and, yep. Man. So he did have opportunities, and it wasn't necessarily his fault because he did catch that ball in the back of the end zone that ended up just being slightly out of bounds. Yeah. So that is positive to see. And I, I thought Crookshank looked healthy and who knows who's going to step up into the opportunity that uh, Tosh Harris is leaving behind. Um, 
So what are you hearing recruiting-wise uh, about both basketball and football? We start with uh, football. We got the commitment from the long snapper from IMG. He's going to be a scholarship kid, right? Yeah, he'll be a scholarship kid, or is a scholarship kid. So we have a, a commitment there. Um, I know we keep saying, like, we think the 23 class is over, we're going to save him for transfer portal, and then another guy or two always ends up committing. Yeah. Where do you see recruiting standing right now? Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to stick with that right now. It is pretty much over. The only name really, or I should say two names, is they're pushing Zion Tracy quite a bit, but uh, he, he's visiting Penn State this weekend for an official. I'd be shocked okay. if he didn't uh, walk away as a Penn State commit. Um, and that's a shame because that's a guy that you probably could have had last year um, very easily because uh, he was playing in Long Island. No one really knew about him. Little speedster, cornerback, uh, DB, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he, he's pretty uh, pretty much locked up for Penn State. And then uh, Namdi Udiogu, Udiego, I, I'm going to butcher every name today. Um, yep. He's a defensive end, defensive tackle out of uh, Georgetown Prep. He's probably going to end up in Rutgers, I would assume. I already put our future cast in for him. Um, he is a former teammate of Keontae Hamilton. He looks up to Keontae Hamilton. So I, I'd be shocked if this one didn't end in favor of the Scarlet Knights. Now, when is it going to happen? Probably in the next couple weeks. I would assume it's still going to be September when he commits. But he doesn't really have a set timeline. It's just kind of fall. He told us, and uh, I, I expect that one to end in Rutgers' favor. And after that, I mean, you're up to, what, 16 kids, 17 kids? I, I don't really yep. think – oh, you're at 17 now. That would be 18. Um, I don't really see anyone else really joining this class. I think they're going to save a ton of ships for the transfer portal. Um, you're going to have to replace a, a lot of guys. Um, you're probably going to target a wide receiver, I would think, if I'm Rutgers. You're going to target a linebacker, 100%. D-line, you're probably good on DBs. You could probably get a stopgap if you if you're, there's a good enough one out there. Um, quarterback, I don't. I mean, yeah, actually, you might need a quarterback depending on what happens with Simon and Wimsat. You're only down to two. Yep. Uh, Raheem Jeter is a 2023 kid. They're showing a little bit of interest in. They did offer him technically, and they wanted to see his first three games. But it does sound like he's going to stay down in that Carolina area. It sounds like East Carolina is like the favorite right there. He's got a yeah. Didn't the guy team. who recruited him to West Virginia end up at ECU? Yeah, so that's that's the weird connection there. And he has a bunch of buddies that are going to ECU as well, or at ECU as already. So I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up there. And nor nor do I think he's – it's mostly just – that would just be a depth piece. I'm not a big fan of his game. I think he's okay. He's not great. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if he would ever even start at Rutgers. But then again, who knows because look at Ohio State. They had a third-string quarterback playing in the national championship. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah. But you definitely need some kind of depth there. I would try to add – some kind of body. I don't know who. Maybe hey, bring back Art Sikowski. He's probably going to transfer, I would assume. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't I don't know who what you do there in that situation. Running back, you're fine. Receiver, you need one. O-line, you probably need one, too, I would assume. Um, I know Willie Tyler has an extra year, I think. But yep, he's Durango got two. Doesn't. Oh, he has two? So, so he's got two, including this year. What, gotcha. Willie? And J.D. Dorenzo's done after this season. Um Who's your other uh, guard? Does Dunlap have two? He might have two. Dunlap has two. Yeah. So I mean, Chifani has three, I think. It really depends on how confident you are in your young guys, I guess, in terms of that position. Like, you, are they developing correctly or quick <clears throat> enough, I should say? But uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think it's going to be portal, 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 and that's uh, you got your punter already, your new punter, got a new kicker who I, a lot of a lot of question marks on still. 
was an interesting one. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, overall, I think the rest is portal for recruiting, and uh, that that's pretty much it in terms of football recruiting. Yeah, so let's transition to basketball recruiting. Uh, we had an official visit weekend last weekend. Uh, it was supposed to be two top targets. Yeah. Trey Norman ended up canceling his visit and subsequently committed to Marquette last night. Um, that one yeah. has been alluded to by you guys. He, that was his favorite for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bayfall did make it to campus, who yes. is a top 12 guy. He's a five-star. He's a mm-hmm. center prospect. Tell us a little bit about what you're hearing about that visit and where Rutgers stands in his overall recruitment. So just to get the first one out of the way, Trey Norman uh, canceled his visit midweek. Um, it, it seems like he even told our rivals national guy, Rutgers got into the game too late. Um, he had a set decision date, wasn't changing it. So, I mean, Marquette makes uh, – it was Marquette all the way pretty much. Um, in terms of Bay Fall, though, number 11 kid in the country <laughs> visiting Rutgers. I, I don't think I've ever said anything near that high of a recruit visiting Rutgers for hoops. Officially, uh, at least. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. He's uh, – he had a great time. Cliff was obviously his host, big man, big man host. Um, big man host. Both are, both are from Africa. I think Cliff yeah. is from Nigeria and uh, they falls from, from Senegal. Yep, exactly. Um, he uh, he had a really good visit. They did the typical, like, hey, let's go to Bolero. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's tour the campus. Let's go check out the facilities, blah, 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 all the good stuff. Um, Davis is working on talking to his guardian right now. I think he'll have an article out today or tomorrow. Um, but it, it's basically, for the most part, the same quotes as like as always. Like, hey, like really enjoyed the visit. You, you never hear anyone say we hated it. Um, yep. But yeah, for, from what we're hearing is Arkansas is still the favorite. He's expected to visit there in two weeks, three weeks, I forget, sometime in September for a weekend. Um, <clears throat> the big factor here is his cousin, Asani Giap is uh 109 in the country 110 in the country something like that um they, they're really excited about the possibility of playing together they both have arkansas offers <clears throat> diop only has i think like six seven offers right now and all six are, are the same offers that bayfall has mm, now i think it's, it's more of like a package type deal um obviously we know arkansas not doesn't pay recruits but they have a hell of an nil program that all of a sudden they commit and they get these crazy deals but um, I think it's Arkansas all the way. It's like SEC, but we, you know when I put the money sign in it in the board post, that's yeah, mm-hmm. that's what's going on. Um, but that's so, expected for top recruits for hoops. So given that he is a top, he's ranked 110. So given that he is a pretty highly ranked guy, uh, mm-hmm. is there a reason why Pike hasn't offered him as well? Um, yeah, I'm a little shocked by that one. I, I don't really know, but Pike's very strategic when it comes to offering guys. He doesn't offer a ton. He offers guys that fit his system, and end of the day, Pike's not just going to offer a guy just because you're related to him. Like he's he's not about the whole package deal thing, which I don't I don't blame him. It's it's backfired on the football program quite a few times already. So sure. I mean, yeah, he's going to go for the guys he wants. Uh, I mean, he got on the campus, which was huge. Um, why he wants to keep visiting New Jersey because he's going to visit Seton Hall at the end of the month? Uh, I I don't know because he's got zero connections to the state of New Jersey. Um, it's true. It's it's interesting. I don't even know if he'll actually get to that Seton Hall visit because I think that's on the 30th or 29th, whatever that weekend is. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, I would be shocked if he didn't visit Arkansas and commit to Arkansas. Maybe he'll visit Seton Hall, but I still think it's Arkansas all the way. Um, it's I think Rutgers' best get in terms of getting a big man in this class would be Papa Conte, 
who's another uh, uh, African native. He's uh, with his family over there now currently. I don't think he came back yet. He's supposed to go back to the States soon, and his guardians are the Griffs. So, I mean, that's, that's a huge uh, factor right there. I know they're not pressuring him per se, but, I mean, there's a little bit of pressure because they are very close with you. They are going to end up at Rutgers. Um, you'll be able to see them a lot more, I'm sure. Uh, it sounds like it's Michigan and Rutgers, and um, that decision is going to come really soon. I don't know how soon, but I was told as soon as he gets back to the States, it's kind of like it's this is it. He went back uh, home to go talk to his parents about where he wants to go. So I, mm. I really think Rutgers has a really good shot there. Um, and that, that's a huge get. That's that's two top 110. Well, I guess he's one. No, he might be higher. He's, he's in, in the, the top. 90s. I think he's 95. Yeah, he's in the top yeah. 100. He's in the 90s. Griff's in the 30s. You still got to get a guard in this class. I don't know who you target, but um, I know Elijah Gertrude, the Hudson Catholic kid, is supposed to yep. schedule a visit for the end of this month to Rutgers, which is huge because he's considered a Virginia lean. He went to Virginia for an official a month or two ago. Went there this past weekend for an unofficial again, so it sounds like Virginia's still in the lead there. We'll visit Kansas next week, and then we're supposed to visit Rutgers on the, the, that same 29th, 30th weekend, whatever the hell it is, and then to September. Now, it's huge to get that last visit, probably, but you got to make yep. sure he gets to that last visit first because it's going to be hard to turn down Kansas. It definitely will be, assuming that they still have availability in their class by the time That's the, that yeah. happens, because I'm sure that he's not the only guard they're recruiting. No, um, by no means. But, but it's, it's good time to be a Hoops fan. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, and you can't fun. discount also that if a guy like Cliff leaves after this year, that's going to leave a big hole, but the portal makes it so much easier to retool at this point. Pike is yeah. going to be able to sell, especially if he gets drafted, Pike's going to be able to sell a high-level transfer recruit, hey, this guy, we developed him. He's He went from a pretty raw offensive game to an NBA late first-round pick. Let's just throw a random thing out there. That, I'd say that's accurate. So he's going to be able to, to recruit. A tra and that's why it was so hard to recruit a, a portal big man this past season. Like There was guys that you know showed a lot of interest in Rutgers, and we almost landed yeah. the kid from Lehigh who ended up at Xavier, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's tough when you can't really – realistically promise a starting job or not even promise because Pike's not that kind of guy but if if a basketball players aren't stupid they can look at a roster they can look at minutes returning they know that if there's a good opportunity or not to play a lot of minutes and there realistically wasn't a lot of minutes to be had at center this year so yeah. I get it but there will be if Cliff leaves so that's that's kind of the, the point I'm wrapping around to is that Pike will be able to sell that and probably get a pretty high level guy not necessarily of Cliff's talent but similar talent I think if we or, aren't or able to you, get one of the top guys. You take your lumps and kind of rock with a freshman, like a Papa Conte, and just be like, hey, you're our starter. Like, let's, let's see what you can do, kid. Or maybe, who knows, Wolfolk. I, I really think Wolfolk's going to play a lot of minutes this year. He's, he's a yep. solid big man. Like, he, he might be, he might develop into a really good player. I was a little shocked because I thought he would come in and be like, yeah, it's a football player. He needs some time. He's got to figure it out. But he, he looked decent, like, on defense and rebounding and all that. Is his offensive game there? No, but that's the same thing with Quiff. Quiff didn't have any type of offensive game year one. So, yep. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how much he develops in year one, and year one to year two, I guess. For sure. Um, so I'm kind of out of topics to discuss. Is there anything you wanted to bring up before we sign off for today? Um, not that I could really think of. Um, obviously, uh, Rutgers Boardwalk this weekend, that's going to be a little interesting. I know KTR is having like a small event type thing. 
Uh, I don't know. I saw something on the boards where they're going to have McConnell and someone else there. Um, I don't know what, in terms of what they're having exactly. Are they having like a tent or something like that, maybe? Mm. Um, you get a free T-shirt if you sign up, like right away. Uh, sorry if you signed up already. Um, Ethan Ethan Rawl will be there. Uh, I believe he's the lacrosse player, right? Yes. I'm, not, I'm sorry, I don't follow lacrosse as much as I probably should, but um, yeah, it should it should be a pretty good day overall. A four o'clock game for Wagner, a little bizarre, but hey, I'm not going to complain. It's yeah, no, I, I'm I'm also a little bit surprised. That's almost always a, a 12 p.m. kick, but I mean, yeah. honestly, the more games you can start after 3 p.m., the better, because it's really tough to tailgate, especially for yeah. people who come from the surrounding area to get there because you got to get there by like nine to really get a good tailgate experience in for a 12 o'clock game. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's going to, it's going to be a good day though. I think uh, you get to experience the boardwalk. There's going to be all kinds of festivities. It's the back to the birthplace game. So I'm sure they're giving away some kind of t-shirts or something. Yep. Um, I think there'll be a solid crowd. I don't know how big because it is Wagner and it's hard to sell Wagner on people, but I think 40 K is about right. 40, maybe 42 around there. Yeah, uh, I think the Boston College game definitely probably juiced the fan base up a decent amount. Um, yeah. So I do think it'll be it'll definitely be above forty if I had to guess, especially yeah. with the four o'clock kickoff. It's a, such a nice day. It's not on a holiday weekend, so yeah, I think that's a safe number. Yeah. Um, now, if we do start three zero, and the Iowa game is a three thirty kickoff. Oh. What do you think the, the crowd would be like there, number-wise? That, I think, immediately. I, I posted on the board the other day. I think as long, as long as it's not noon and it's 3.30 or later, I, I really think that there's no reason why that game shouldn't be, like, 50,000 at least. Yeah, I think that game definitely will sound like a sellout, and it'll yeah. look pretty close to a sellout as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how much uh, Iowa tra uh, travels. Like, is their fan base actually travel? decently maybe um i mean it's not nebraska or michigan but it's like i i honestly don't remember it, I, I would just assume that those midwest teams travel well until they prove me otherwise and a midwest team i mean like a big state university not like a north northwestern like yeah. I, I don't think that counts but in iowa you know uh a nebraska minnesota those kind of schools i assume because there's a lot of grads in like the nyc area for all these schools too yeah. so it's like their one chance to see their team every few years so true yeah, I think it'd be a pretty a hell of an atmosphere, and I, I just I dread the fact that they might give them a noon game, and yep. that's just it's the RU screw there. I'm sorry, but the Big Ten, you got to do something there. Yeah, yeah, you just got to hope that they don't screw us. Nothing you can do. Pretty but. much. Yeah. So I mean, that's all, all right. we really got, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Uh, we this will be I think our last pod of the week. Um, we're going to try and do more Twitter spaces because I thought that worked pretty well. Um, that'll be turned into a pod afterwards as well. Mm -hmm. But just keep uh, keep an eye on the boards, keep an eye on your podcast feed because who knows, maybe we'll get a big commitment and then we'll pop in and uh, talk yeah. about it. And then we'll, but, get, uh, uh, we'll get the Temple guys on next week and uh, we can probably pull that one off, I think. Yep. I don't know a Wagner beat writer, so that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, and plus there's not really a whole lot to talk about. It's like, yeah, yeah we lost 21 games straight. We're an FCS program. If we don't lose by 40, it'll be a big win. Like, that's, it's yeah, all right. that's accurate. <laughs> but, all right, guys, thanks for tuning in again. This has been another episode of the Night Report Podcast. Signing off.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.